0: How are you, Gorge?
1: I'm fantastic. How are you?
0: I know you're fantastic. You're wearing a bomb
1: ass fucking crop. I got skeleton titties. <laughs> <laughs> you show sure do. Skeleton hands on my titties. I love it. It's like the, the one where they like those skeleton hands are like cupping the boobs. Cupping of boobs, yes.
0: Yeah, it's wonderful.
1: <sighs> it makes me feel really happy. Where did you find it? Amazon baby.
0: Of course. Of course. <laughs>
1: I have a thing where like I need instant gratification, so the whole like two-day shipping. The two-day, yeah. Yeah. I so feel that. I'm a big fan of retail therapy. So anytime I'm like a little, like womp womp, I'm like, let me just buy myself something real quick. I have like (laughs) I have something to look forward to. It's like a little present.
0: I mean, I would say I don't completely understand in the depths of my soul what you're saying, but that would be a lie. I was like, but you do, don't (laughs) you? I absolutely do. I absolutely do. I just am like, what's the weirdest shit I could buy that I would only appreciate?
1: (laughs) Yes. I love when Amazon (laughs) starts to know you well enough that it like recommends this and you're like, oh my God, that's (laughs) so weird. I'm totally into that. Let me click this.
0: Yeah, it's, it's always weird to me. I remember when I was redoing my apartment that like Wayfair would recommend shit that was not at all the stuff I was buying. Like I remember there was like some like BDSM mask like sculpture <laughs> that I was like you might like this and I'm like really because I bought like a countertop yeah how the fuck is that are we doing this
1: it's, like, um, you're it's making always a like... lot of assumptions about my life Wayfair and I don't think you have the right personally
0: one I don't I'm not saying that they're inaccurate but I just don't know like where did you, get, you get this from this. yeah <laughs> that was also I remember when I watched I think it was Mindhunter or Making a Murderer it was something like that and you know how Netflix does that thing is like because you like this you might like this and the options oh, God. were Bob's Burgers and The New Girl. And you're like... I, and I was I, like, fuck, maybe these shows are way more fucked up than I thought
1: <laughs> <laughs> Either that or your algorithm needs some work, Netflix. Clearly. I was like, is The New Girl, like,
0: this really is intense like, crime drama? Is there, like, a murder
1: that I don't know about in New Girl? No. Don't
0: know. I've never seen it.
1: I, as far as I know, no. That would be a really interesting plot twist. For sure. Mm-hmm. You're like not spooky today at all. You have a really cute no. like halter with a rainbow and I feel like I like yeah. we should be also skating. Amazon. Fuck yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a romper. It's a very seventies vibe. It's very seventies like, vibe. I love it. It's very like booty short, Fuck like, yeah. Like white trim piping. Definitely need some like rainbow knee highs and some roller skates and go down to the roller disco. Fuck yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful.
1: I mean, I'm totally down with that. I'll bust my skates out. Let's do this.
0: Boom. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, I will say, (laughs) so I'm one of those quintessential New Yorkers uh, who, one, is not from here, and two, does not know their neighbors, even though I've been living in the same apartment for 12 years. I know one neighbor on my floor, and I ran into her, it was like a day or two after we recorded, and she was like were you the one screaming? And I was like...
1: <laughs> no. I, don't, I was like, I don't think so. No. Unless it was shut the fuck up, maybe. I don't recall that, though.
0: No, and then I realized your story, and I was like, yes, actually, yes, that was me screaming. <laughs> Justified. For, like, an hour and a half in my apartment.
1: I actually felt really bad how much I, like, laughed on the re-listen <laughs> to that because your reactions were just so wonderful and entertaining and I was like this is a very gruesome brutal murder and I should like not be like giddy and smiling as I'm like going through and editing this and you I know was. what I totally was
0: Christina texted me the same thing that she had to stop uh the recording because she was cry laughing at I... my reactions. yeah and you know what yes if that could bring any joy to anyone listening to that horrendous story, then you're welcome. Yes. I volunteer as tribute. I will always do that. Thank you, Marnie. I needed
1: it <laughs> so badly. My fucking favorite was honestly when you <laughs> when you thought it was over and I had to like break <laughs> yes. the news to you. You're like, no, I can't do that. I felt so bad. I can't even express <laughs> you. I was like, oh, damn. I like went, I went to hay on this one. Oh. Uh,
0: no, it was a great story. I'd never heard of it before. And I just, I'm someone who lives in hyperbole. I'm I love just it. someone.
1: I think that's I'm... why we get along very well. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's like the best day or the worst day always. I'm never just at, at a chill, normal baseline. It's always, it's a very Scorpio extreme, you know, and then span it and then cube it on top of that thing.
1: That's, yeah.
0: That's where I'm always living. <laughs> uh, so I can't have a reaction like a normal person.
1: Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Ooh, and no. it's
0: that thing, like, <laughs> you know, as I said, when when we eventually get to doing live shows, the, the masses will see. It's not just this. It's not just screaming. It's a full body. Oh,
1: it, yes. Situation. It's very visceral.
0: That, yeah, that only you are privy to at this point in time.
1: I know it's my favorite. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I'm in on a little secret that like nobody else knows.
0: That I'm a fucking wacko. Oh, my God. It's my favorite. I think some people know. (laughs) Also, uh, this is coming out on Halloween. Oh, shit. Which also happens to be our one-year anniversary.
1: Yeah. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, baby. Hey. And, I mean, it's going to be your birthday in the meantime as well. That is true. So. That is true. I don't know if you want me to wish you a happy birthday
0: now. Whatever your heart feels is the right thing to do.
1: I'm going to wish you a happy birthday now. I'll probably wish you a happy birthday Thank next you. week. Fuck it. I can wish you a happy birthday all month if I want to. So, yeah. Damn I'm straight.
0: seeing you tomorrow, too.
1: You are seeing me tomorrow.
0: Yeah, because the costume party has not happened yet. So I don't know the magic that Amy Trayton is bringing happened. to the fucking party.
1: I'm really but excited. But I'm
0: very excited about it. And if you could see Amy's face right now, she is so excited about it. I know that this, is good, this isn't This is going to be an 11. This is going to be a 47. I'm fucking here for
1: it. I'm pretty fucking excited. All of my shit arrived on time. One thing didn't, but it was like the one thing that I literally bought as like an after thing that I was like, eh, whatever. So, you still got a day. Oh, I'm so Who knows? excited. I'm so excited. Running. I can't fucking wait. And I can't wait to see where you work. I've literally never been there before. So it's going to be. I know. It's
0: going to be, it's going to be a fun time, I think. Yeah. People are taking it very seriously.
1: Are they? i so Am I going to have like some stiff competition? We're going to like throw down? I don't
0: know. All right. I, well, see, here's the thing. It, it all depends on execution, right?
1: That's very true. That's but very true.
0: Because uh, Nellie, uh, my, my ride or die, we're used to going to themed parties all of the time. At least, at you know, when we had a life. <laughs> <It wasn't considered laughs> when we themed
1: parties. Yeah, we're a thing.
0: Um, so Nellie and I would often get ready together. And we'd be like, you know, no one else is going to be dressed up for this party. And we're like, yeah, but we but it, we would like hope against hope that maybe this was the day. This oh, was the no. time that people would dress up, you know, that they would follow the assignment. Yeah. Never. No. Never. It was always me and Natalie. And people would be like, oh my God, you look amazing. I thought about dressing up, but I didn't. No, you did not.
1: Yes. And we know because I'm staring at you in your normal ass clothes instead of dressed up like me where I could be like, oh my God, you look amazing. This is so exciting.
0: Right. You are wearing jeans and a t-shirt, sir. And I'm looking amazing because I know how to follow directions.
1: Yes. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm usually that person who doesn't dress up because I'm like, I don't want to be the only one. And then I ruin it for everyone else, Monique.
0: I'm always the only one, and I'm like, it's not my fault. <laughs> I my don't
1: name. get invited to a lot of theme parties, to be fair. I feel like the last time I got invited to a theme party was honestly a Jersey Shore theme party.
0: Oh my God. And it God. was like
1: literally at like the peak of that being popular, so.
0: <laughs> Spray tans for days, take, baby. Yeah, take that into account.
1: I don't even know what I wore, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I'm sure it was awful.
0: This evening will be photographed. I'm very excited about it.
1: I'm excited about it.
0: Also, this is another fucking horror podcast, because we uh, definitely didn't mention that last time. <laughs> I'm Monique Sanchez.
1: I'm Amy Traden. Welcome. We're here. This is the podcast. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Guys, we're like a year in. If you don't know, I blame you.
1: Right? It's a this you is, problem. This isn't on us anymore. <laughs> we wash our hands of this. Exactly. Well, you know Deb will catch our not introducing the podcast <laughs> Because I remember very specifically from the night we hung out, her telling us when we had forgotten and that we had only forgotten completely one time.
0: Well, we added it to add another fucking tally to that. That shit.
1: There you go, Deb. That one was for you. (laughs) (laughs) Do
0: you got uh, anything else?
1: Nothing too exciting. Uh, I haven't been really watching anything. Mm -hmm. I need to finish Midnight Mass. That's on my to-do list for the week. Literally yesterday, I was like, did Amy ever finish Midnight Mass? No, I totally didn't.
0: Girl, gotta get on it. Also, thanks for the DMs of people who have finished
1: Midnight Mass and have enjoyed it. Ah, uh, damn it. Now I gotta finish so you can tell me all the DMs and everybody said it's not a Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I'm excited. I want to I wanna finish that. I am going to see Dune tonight with Johnny. Fun. Which I'm excited about. He's more the excited about. In the theater, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he read the book. And he tried to yeah, get me I to read the book before it. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to read it. And then I never, I never did it. I never fucking no. did it. So You're doing a billion things. It's fine. I'm doing a billion things. Uh, yes. I have I have been slightly shamed for not finishing my Dune, Dune-related Dune homework, my Dune-related assigned readings.
0: I mean, have you told him that you have to do, like, you have to research a term paper every week before oh, I edit it? Okay. He knows. He sees me.
1: <laughs> he sees me. My favorite is when he's like, did you not come to bed last night? And I'd be like, nope. I did Did not all night. Yep, that's me. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Or you're like,
0: I took a two hour nap.
1: Yep. That's it. That was it. That's all my body needs. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, my body like gave out. I feel like at the beginning of this week, and literally I slept for fourteen hours straight. Oh shit. Yeah. That means you needed it in one like solid did not wake up, literally went down 14 hours later, came back up, and I was like, okay.
0: That's, that's just good. a that's a NyQuil coma for me. That's yeah. the best. I'm, yeah. I'm a very bad sleeper. I wake up a billion times. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Never when now. I'm sick, I'm like, I get to NyQuil my life up, baby. <gasps> yes. And that's I like love out that out for 12
1: hours. I can remember one time as a kid, I was sick, and because I faked sick every day to get out of school, I was like, "There's no way my mom's gonna let me like stay home," like even though I actually <laughs> am genuinely sick. Uh, and I can remember her like feeling my temperature and looking at me, and then like not saying anything. And I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to get up and go to school." I feel like fucking so miserable. And then she just came back with a cup of Nyquil and handed it yeah. to me, and I was like, "Really?" And she was like, "Yes, you're very clearly sick. Like, take this and go back to sleep." And I was like, "Thank you so much. Like, I love you so much. Thank you." Never been so grateful for NyQuil in my life. Diana's fucking nailing it. Oh my god. So we funny. already knew that, though. We did know that. She's amazing. Uh, She's she, she for sure knows what my Halloween costume is because she had to see all of my Amazon purchases. <laughs> <laughs> I texted her. I was like, do you know what I'm going to be for Halloween? Because obviously you've been looking at your Amazon. She was like, I think so. That's hysterical. I like, nailed it.
0: Two people know what I'm going to be.
1: Oh, Okay.
0: Yeah, one of whom is not coming, and the other one is probably not coming. So the stakes are low.
1: What was their reaction? Was it good? Were you pleased?
0: Yeah, that was hysterical.
1: Oh, yay! (laughs) Fuck yeah, now I'm extra excited. It's a vibe. Hysterical? It
0: doesn't look hysterical, but the concept is hysterical. Okay. Noted. Yeah, that doesn't help with the explanation at all. No, but, but I love it. I love the mystery. But when you see it, you'll, like, get it. I'm sure. We'll see, it's coming in today, so i got to see if I, like... Oh, yeah, your torso it, issue.
1: You were My worried. torso,
0: if I fit into it and... Your long torso. Long torso meat on my body. Some <laughs> uh, I'm not skin and bones. Uh, which, a uh, terrible segue, I watched the Brittany Murphy doc on HBO... <gasps> That's on my to-do list
1: too. How was that? It's
0: really good. It's. I'm sure really it's really fucking sad. heartbreaking. Yeah, because she was someone I really loved. Yeah, I thought was fuck really yeah. fucking special and talented, and just she really everything was. that happened to her was so fucked up. Was and there any new
1: information that was revealed that you were just like, oh, I didn't know this, or yeah. was it okay?
0: Yeah, like the extent of things
1: I didn't know. Oh, okay, shit,
0: and like one of like her causes of death or contributing factors was anemia.
1: Okay. And
0: as someone who's been anemic for the bulk of my life, I kind of like straddle that line a lot of the time. Uh, the the worst of it, I was in college and your hemoglobin numbers to be normal for a woman, I think is like 11 to 15. Okay. And in college I was like seven or eight. Damn. Which is like not great. Yeah. And exactly why I felt like I was fucking dying. Uh, Britney Murphy when she died, her number was three or four.
1: <gasps>
0: Holy fuck, dude! Which is like you need a blood transfusion like right now? now. Yeah, and like you're you're not eating is what what that is. You're actually not eating. Oh my god, and that's just, fucking like, scary. Uh, it just, it just was really really heartbreaking because she. I always thought she was someone who was really special for sure. And it was she was one of those people that I hoped. You know, she was like on that list of like I hope to work with this person someday.
1: You know. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. And what she's thirty fucking two.
1: Jesus. Yeah, that's just, fucking crazy.
0: Just like actually tragic and senseless, and just and then when you see kind of what has what happened to get her to where where she ended up, it was like it it's nothing short of devastating, honestly.
1: Fuck um documentary was good though i will have to it's it's
0: good it is good um something i appreciated so i i don't know if we've discussed this on the podcast before but i have a very uh conflicting feelings about cancel culture like yeah if someone does something fucked up like fuck it that's not cool but i don't really think it's cool because someone said something 10 years ago 20 years ago that we should be like fuck that person if because I am not the same person I was ten years ago, twenty years ago. I'm not the same person I was five years ago, because that's what growth is supposed to be, right? And they have Perez Hilton on there, and you know, for those of you who are familiar with Perez Hilton, like his whole, he became famous being, being outed, and yeah, and being yeah. And the the reason why he was successful is because the culture and the time period loved wanted it, ate that, they that loved shit it. up, yeah, absolutely. He wouldn't be successful if everyone was like, dude, you're gross. And uh, I didn't know this, but so he used to he used to have Brittany Murphy stuff on his site all the time, um, just kind of, you know, being really nasty about her. And and apparently the year she died, he went on some like Howard Stern or something, some radio show and was asked to make a celebrity death prediction for that year. (gasps) And he said, Brittany Murphy. So Perez is there talking about this, and he's like, it was gross of them to ask that, and it was gross of me to answer it. But 2007 was a completely different time. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm, it was, and I'm not gonna hold that against him. Like if he's doing that now, it's like, okay, dude, you're trash. Yeah. But I, I thought I really appreciated that comment of the awareness of like, that's, that was that time. That's how I became famous. And it was fucking gross.
1: Yeah. I can acknowledge that now in retrospect because right. hindsight is 2020.
0: And because you've grown, hopefully, that's the fucking, that's the hope for all of us, right? That we are better today than we were yesterday and that we're a lot better today than we were 10 years ago. At least yes. it is for me. Yes. I look back at who I
1: was and I was like, Jesus, fuck. Ugh. Like, have you ever read something from your high school self? Like, it's the oh, cringiest God. thing Ugh. ever. Oh, Ugh. Ugh. I
0: can't. Horrendous. I can't. Horrendous. Oh. Yes. I mean, Yes. Not even high school, like 10 years ago. And I was like, this is, God damn it. You know, but it's also how you grew up. Who were you around? Who were you dating? Yeah. Like all of those are contributing factors, you know? Very true.
1: But- Daniel Sloss actually has an amazing bit about that, which is about like how his parents have a really dark sense of humor. And when you yeah. grow up with parents who have a really dark sense of humor, you don't understand that that's mm-hmm. not everyone's sense of humor and people yeah. get offended by that. yeah. And I can remember that was so fucking relatable to me because I have definitely <laughs> totally. said some shit to people that I was like, oh, they did not react like I thought they were gonna react to that. Like my parents <laughs> thought that was fucking hilarious and that was like not cool at all. Like I made myself look like an asshole.
0: Yeah, totally. But I don't like I don't think you should be cancelled. You're like, Yeah. That's they, how I was uh, yes. grew up and and then you learn how to read situations and read the room and you know, like there's certain jokes that we would tell each other that we, I wouldn't necessarily tell, like my boss. A hundred you know, fucking like, percent. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's enough bullshit on our end, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you got you any ready?
1: spooky spooky stuff for Halloween? Yeah, you ready to be into the scary story? Yes. Fuck yeah. So I went with another classic, not celebrity ghost stories, but paranormal witness. Fuck yeah. Fuck yes. Because I needed something to really shock my little heart here. <laughs> it's Halloween after all. It's Halloween after all. And I have to say, I haven't really like watched Paranormal Witness prior to this podcast. Yeah. I actually really enjoy that show. I need to get on it. I think it's actually like really well done. Reenactments, which is usually like my bar for how shitty a show is. Yeah. Not bad. Not, Not terrible. Shit. Like, you're like, okay,
0: Sure. I have not seen Paranormal Witness, I think I've maybe seen like a couple episodes, but also with Celebrity Ghost Stories, the shitty reenactment is part of its charm. And the terrible It's words. very true.
1: Yeah. It's very true. Yeah, I mentioned this to you not on the podcast, but I watched a pretty terrible show with god-awful reenactments that I was going to do for one of my stories, and then I decided not to do it. Yes. But... It was so terrible in the reenactments, but I'm <laughs> definitely at a later date going to do the story just because I have to talk shit about the reenactments. Like, I literally had, like, I a list wait. of trash talking and, like, lines that they said that I was like, I can't believe they, that anyone even wrote this and put it in. Like, this is insane. <laughs> I can't wait. All right. But Paranormal Witness, and we're going to the fucking original. Season one, episode one, right out of oh, the shit. gate. First fucking story. Fuck yeah. Because it's dope. So... That's my only, that's my only source. That's great. Just FYI. Great.
0: I have like 72 sources for mine. so Yay! Balances out.
1: Balances out. Uh, (laughs) So, in 2008, Laurel and Brian Peremski were married and living in an apartment in Baltimore with their five-year-old daughter, Isabella. According to them, Isabella's birth was nothing short of a miracle. They had both wanted children, but had had trouble conceiving over the years, and after three miscarriages, they had resigned themselves to the fact that they might not be able to have children. Uh. So when Isabella was finally born happy and healthy, Laurel and Brian were absolutely thrilled. They were happy just to finally be parents, and according to them, Isabella was brilliant and advanced for her age. As Isabella grew up, Laurel and Brian decided it was finally time to move out of their small apartment and into a real house. They were looking for the classic American dream, a white picket fence, the whole shebang. When the house they were looking at failed inspection, Laurel noticed that one of the neighbors was putting out a for sale by owner sign. Laurel admitted that it wasn't exactly her dream house, but it was priced very low in comparison to other houses in the area. And the owner agreed to pay all of the closing costs. Red flag. Red flag. Little worried.
0: If it's too good to be true, it's because it is. Red flag. Right?
1: Uh-uh. That is something my uh-uh. dad instilled in me as a young Same. child, and it really,
0: Same. really sticks.
1: Yep. sticks. Yep. Brian remembers thinking it was odd that the man was selling the home for so cheap, especially after living there for only a year.
0: Oh my God, red flag. Yep. Red flag, red flag.
1: Yep. But again, they don't really have a lot financially. They're trying to kind of make do. So they're just like, look, this is an opportunity that we can't really pass up. We're not going to sure. get this anywhere else. Laurel said she wished she had known then what she knew now, but admitted that even if she had, she probably wouldn't have believed it. She said, quote, I had to live it. I had to be a part of it to believe, end quote. Oh, shit. Yep. At first, the house seemed great. The Peremsky family had plenty of room and were looking forward to making the space their own. They did find some things kind of odd, like the dark red room. It was just a small bedroom that had been painted a deep, dark red by the previous owners, but they said it seemed like a strange choice for a bedroom.
0: This is giving me lots of haunt- Haunting of Hill House vibes. Right? Oh, yeah. The red room.
1: They planned to make that bedroom Isabella's and figured a nice new coat of paint would fix it right up. So Brian bought some primer and started covering up the paint in the red room. Well, he tried. Because when he started painting, the primer just wouldn't seem to stick. The first two coats barely did anything, which Brian thought was weird, because even dark paint usually only needs two coats of primer at most, usually. Right. But he said it just didn't stick. It just bled right back through, and it literally looked like blood was running down the walls. Mm. Which was obviously a little creepy, considering it was going to be their daughter's room. But... They just chalked it up to paint issues, and refusing to give up, they added a few more coats of gray primer and finally managed to paint over the red room, though it ended up taking four or five coats of primer to do so. Holy shit! But they were settling in well, especially Isabella. She had her own room, and her parents said she seemed happy at first. But Uh it wasn't long before things started to get weird. The first thing Brian said he noticed was that Isabella would always wave bye-bye to the attic door. Oh, no. Every time they walked no. by. No. Yep. This is my nightmare, Monique. This is why we don't have kids. This is why I don't I can't have children. No, I would uh-huh. be like, ooh, this is real awkward, but I'm going to need to drop you off at your grandmother's house and never come <laughs> back. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, no, no, no. So he obviously thought that was weird because no one was there. But sure enough, every time they walked down the hallway, uh-uh. Isabella would uh-uh. wave at the attic door. No. But he said he wasn't really worried, that he knew kids have imaginary friends, and he just assumed it was that.
0: By the way, remember when I asked if anyone had an imaginary yes. friend to like, let us know? What was the verdict? Not a single fucking DM. Not a one.
1: Not very interesting. Noted. Yes. Noted. Noted. Yes. It wasn't long after that that Laurel noticed that Isabella was talking and singing a lot while alone in her room. She just assumed that she was playing and talking to her dolls. But one day, she went in to check on Isabella and she asked the little girl who she was talking to. And Isabella said, Emily. Yep. While Laurel thought that was oddly specific... She assumed, like any kids her age, that she just had created an imaginary friend to entertain herself. Laurel said that Isabella, quote, spoke of Emily like Emily was right there in front of us, end quote. Mm -mm. But that in the beginning, Mm -mm. it just seemed like fun and games, and she had no reason to believe that it was anything other than her precocious daughter's overactive imagination. But not long after she had been introduced to Emily, things started happening in the house. One day, while Laura was in the kitchen and Isabella was playing nearby, she heard the crash of something hitting the floor and breaking. Oh, when shit. she went to check on Isabella, she heard her say, Emily, that was bad. That was mommy's. And found her daughter standing next to a statue broken on the floor. She blamed Isabella at first because, as far as she's concerned, Isabella is the only one who could have broken the statue. But the right. little girl swore she hadn't broken the statue. Laurel said, looking at her daughter, she knew Isabella had seen something. When she continued to question the little girl about what happened, Isabella said, quote, Emily doesn't want you here. End quote. Mm, mm, nope. This mm. is when I'm out. Nope. Full body chills. No. This is when... Priest party. volto yes. Molto pronto. Yes. Maybe child protective services. I don't know. But like, bitch, <laughs> you're not living in my house anymore. Like, I love you, but get the fuck out. Laurel said... All the hair on the back of her neck stood up. I'm exercising this motherfucker in a second. Seriously. I'd be like, bitch, you're having a holy water bath tonight. Like, get in. Scrub dub dub. No. (laughs) The power of Christ compels you. For real. Oh my God. Taken aback, Laurel didn't know what to say. Quote, what do you answer back to that? End quote. Fucking seriously. Yes, exactly. After that incident, Laurel noticed that Isabella's behavior began to change a bit. She spent more time in her bedroom than she had before, and started to sing Mary Had a Little Lamb while she was playing on her own. Which doesn't seem like a big deal, but according to Laurel and Brian, they had never taught her that song. Get the fuck out! Quote, the way she sang the nursery rhyme, it wasn't like she sang other things. End quote. What does that mean? I don't know. Like, maybe it was like a different sounding voice or like tone Get she the used or something. Out. I'm not really oh sure. But yeah, fucking creepy. Because she's not in school at this point, obviously. There's no mention of school. There's no mention of like daycare or nothing like that. Right.
0: Yeah. Because if not, then you could be
1: like, she learned at it school, At school, yeah. So Laurel started investigating where she might have learned the song, asking their friends and family to see if one of them had maybe taught it to her, but none of them knew where she had picked it up. When Laurel asked Isabella, she responded with, Mommy, I'm learning, but wouldn't tell her who she was learning from. Admitting he's not the type to get easily scared, Brian said he started to get an uncomfortable feeling. Mm-hmm. One night while he was getting ready for bed, he kept feeling the sense of being watched. Nope. Then he felt someone tug at the bottom of his shirt. Uh-uh, uh-uh. He thought no. it was Isabella, but when he looked down, she wasn't there. Then he saw a shadow quickly ricochet (gasps) off his bedroom door and shoot down the hallway.
0: I just got chills. Oh my god.
1: He tried to convince himself it was just headlights from the street making shadows, but they were on the second floor at the time with the shades closed, and he said there was no way that shadow could have come from the headlights outside. The experience was unnerving, and he thought, quote, there must be something going on here, end quote. But- he didn't want to scare his wife, so he just kind of let it be. That's just, that's always interesting to me
0: of something is clearly wrong.
1: I'm just going to sweep it Instead under the Instead of addressing rug. Yep. it,
0: we're just not going to acknowledge yep. it until it reaches an apex where we are forced to acknowledge it. Yeah.
1: Seems odd. Doesn't seem super wise.
0: I mean, it's a very Cuban mentality. If we don't talk about it, it's not,
1: it's not. Oh, I get it. I would for sure be a part of this. I'd be like, not even going to think about it. I'm not bringing this up. We're good.
0: Yeah. Uh, but that's that's not a, the best way to problem no, solve. it's not
1: super healthy. I would imagine. Communication is yeah. key. Yeah. yeah, Right? Exactly. Then one night when Isabella came into the room where Laurel was, she noticed a horrifying look on her daughter's face. When Laurel asked her what was wrong, Isabella said, quote, Emily's mommy hurt her in the bathtub, end quote. Yeah, yeah, girl, your face. Yes, I know. Oh. Nope. I couldn't handle this. My
0: God. Mm-hmm. No, moved out that yep. night. We're sleeping in the car. <laughs> Facts. We're going to do a pillow fort outside. Yep. That's our it's new home. Be real fun. Now.
1: No, absolutely fucking not. <sighs> yep. Laurel was obviously shocked. She said Isabella wouldn't have known about mommy's hurting little girls and wondered where she was getting this stuff from. Laurel said, quote, I could see fear in my daughter, end quote. And she begged her to make this Emily character go away, saying, it's done, Isabella, please. Laurel said she felt a sickness in her stomach. What had started out as her daughter's innocuous imaginary friend was turning into a quote-unquote, ugly story. Truly worried for her daughter, Laurel still wondered if it was possible that Isabella was making this up. But if she was, then these dark thoughts were coming from her daughter and she knew they needed to get her help. So, Yeah. yeah, Laurel decided to take her to her pediatrician and talk to them about it. The doctor wasn't taken aback or surprised and basically just said, don't worry about it, it's fine. Kids have imaginary friends. She'll outgrow it. It's not a big deal. Is
0: this like the serial killer pediatrician? Like what the fuck? Right? Like address my concern.
1: Fuck you. Yeah.
0: Are just kids that fucked up?
1: I don't know. That it's just like
0: that. This is actually not that serious. And they're
1: just like yeah, it's fine. No big deal. Like I said, I didn't really like know a lot of kids who had like legit imaginary friends.
0: I've never heard of it. But with me, it was I would talk to my dolls, yeah, and they would like talk back, but it would be me talking in their voice, back, and
1: you understood what was had, going like, on. A dialogue,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I wasn't, you know, I had two brothers. That wasn't going to work out. We weren't, you know, no hanging out. <laughs> uh, but I didn't think like Barbie was real. No, I wish she was right. Ugh. It's
1: amazing, but I never had an imaginary friend. No. I just talked to myself, but I like knew I, I was talking to myself. Right, I barely had real friends. Girl, same. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I was like, if I feel like an imaginary friend would have been like, "You're actually like talking a lot, and you're like kind of bossy. I'm actually gonna go. So good luck with that. <laughs> Enjoy. You're out the boss. Yeah, of me. thanks.
0: Um, no, I, I don't actually know anyone who like legitimately had an imaginary friend.
1: Yeah, I, I did like cursory research on it. Like, apparently it's. Pretty fucking common. Apparently, it, it happens a lot with children who typically are like of higher intelligence too, and they don't know if that contributes to maybe like higher language skills and things like that. Um, well, I tested as a fucking dunce Stop. That's great, so. Stop <laughs> so
0: that explains why I didn't have an imaginary no, I mean, friend. I, fuck,
1: I didn't have an imaginary friend. I was like, I'm not brilliant over here. Maybe you trained
0: in a woman of science.
1: Barely. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you have the degree girl I know I saw it
1: the other day I clean- Johnny helped uh, started us cleaning out a bunch of closets and I like stumbled upon it he was like it's in Latin I was like yeah I know I'm pretty
0: sure I'm the only one of my siblings where like my degree is still like in the cardboard box that came in however long ago oh like my brothers have theirs like framed. prominently
1: displayed and I'm like no, I mean who gives no, a fuck mine's just I like shoved in the closet somewhere no literally yeah. same
0: <laughs> my parents house I'm like who no. cares my New York Times article is, is more impressive to me than my
1: Yes. There you go. <laughs> I support that. Thank you. All right. So back to the story. So go to the yep. pediatrician. The pediatrician's like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Blah, blah, blah. The next day, they didn't hear anything about Emily. The family went out, had a nice day together. They had fun. They were relaxing. And it was just an awesome day, according to them. Mm. So... They obviously start to think they've put all this behind them and Emily has gone. But when they got back home, they were shocked into silence. All of the pictures of them as a family had been taken off the walls and put in a pile in the middle of the living room. (gasps) Laurel said, quote, I was speechless. I could not believe what we were seeing, end quote. Because obviously no one's home. No one's home. And there are about 20 pictures in all and- Brian said it was like whatever it was couldn't stand to see all of those pictures of a happy family, and it had just, like, taken them down and just, like, put them down so it couldn't see them. Uh Uh-uh. He said he was scared because he knew he hadn't done it, he knew Laurel hadn't done it, and he knew that there was no way Isabella would have been able to reach the pictures in the wall to do it. Quote, something doesn't want us here, or something Mm -mm. might want my daughter. End quote. (gasps) Chills.
0: Get the I fuck know. out of the house. Can you imagine? I can't. I can't fucking deal with this. That, you get the fuck out of the house. One, yes. two, priest party. Yes. Three, talk to Emily and be like, hey, girl. Uh, sounds like you had a rough go of it. Super sorry about it. How about we adopt you? Here are some toys for yeah. you. Like, we only want... Lovely things and for you to be part of the family. Yay.
1: Besties? Cool.
0: I think those are the three That was options.
1: smart. Those were all smart options, yes. I would support any of those. I know, it's not my first rodeo. I would support any of those. If I ever have a possession, right. Monique, calling you, first thing. First number. I'm a dial. <laughs> so I'm like, bitch, get your holy water, get your ass over here. Fucking doing this.
0: You know what? I completely forgot that because of the Rona, you can't- There's no What? Oh, we're fucked, Monique. We're like, so fucked. Yeah, because- because when you go, usually when you go to church, there's like the basin and you like put it in so you can bless yourself, you know? And there, it's not no more. Oh, because it's contaminated. Because everyone's like Ew. touching. The
1: fact that was even still a thing, touching, honestly, water. is really gross to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, now it is. No, it was, you know, no it was theory gross before this. It was gross before this. It was gross
1: before this. 100 years later. <laughs> disgusting. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it is disgusting. You know. <laughs> Communal water. Now get out of here. But it's okay. We can we can make our whole okay. holy water. You just have to okay. bless the water. It's fine. It's like I don't I'm not qualified for that, but I leave it to you. I trust your I trust your blessings. I don't think I'm I mean you're more qualified than me, let's be honest. I think
0: I am. I think you can like as a layperson, bless it, but I think I think God and Jesus would be
1: okay if you're like, dude, this is an emergency. Like, yeah. be like, you Okay, right, where right. I'm coming funny. from here.
0: Because technically a layperson can baptize. Someone in an emergency.
1: Is that true? Does that mean I accidentally got baptized in the swimming pool when I was like ten? Wait, what the fuck? I don't know. Did you yeah, get baptized in a yeah. swimming pool? Because when you tell people when you live in the Bible Belt of Florida as a kid and you tell people you're not baptized, apparently they freak the fuck out and they think they need to like baptize you immediately. So yeah, they like baptized me in a pool.
0: Um, that's fucked For up. Girl. One, two. That's not it's an Florida. emergency. Yeah. <laughs> an emergency is like <laughs> really, yeah. I There's know. a car accident and we don't know if you're gonna. <laughs> so fucking here's your die. last, right?
1: It's like yeah.
0: Like baptism, last rites, boom, boom, double whammy, (gasps) two for one. Oh my God.
1: Uh, Uh, Yeah, yeah. no. So I feel like, also I feel like it was not an adult. It was like one of my friends. So I don't think she was qualified. I don't think it took. Let's be honest.
0: (laughs) You're like, definitely best case scenario, purgatory. It's Best case. We
1: do. Whatever. There you go. So after that, Brian just wanted to leave, just to take everything and go but unfortunately financially that just wasn't an option so they were stuck there sure then things started to get worse
0: guys i don't i don't hear any problem yeah. solving other than we're just going <laughs> to we're not going to acknowledge this is happening that's the only that's that's not a that's not solving a problem it's the same thing like if if your toes starts turning black and you're like i'm just going to pretend we'll like that's see not how happening it goes. And don't go to the doctor don't get a second opinion yeah. on this that's the same shit you're doing. Yes. You're na- You're not nailing it. No,
1: not at all. No. At all. So one night, Isabella came and told her dad, quote, the white face is in the window. End quote. Mm-mm. Yep. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He asked her what white face and went in her room to see what she was talking about. Brian said, quote, I seen it. It was just like a blur of a face. I saw it. And it freaked me out. End quote. Get the fuck out! No, like immediately, get the fuck out! Seriously. Oh. The face disappeared almost immediately, but he was obviously still unsettled. He looked around. I'm sorry, what's what's the time period of this again? Two thousand eight. Okay, you could
0: definitely have sold a house in two thousand eight and marketed it as a haunted house and sold that shit immediately for double what you paid. Right? Absolutely. I'm sure. I'm sure Zach Bagans was oh still God. a fucking thing then. He would have loved that. He would have loved it, be like, "Come at me,
1: ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Come at me, Emily. What you guys start shit? What? Bro, fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> I was like I could take you, Emily, little girl. So he looked around and checked outside her window, but obviously there's nothing there. Laurel said that the vibe in the house was turning dark turning Mm. negative, and things were happening that were out of her control. She wanted to make things brand new for Isabella, so they had Brian's mom, Judy, take Isabella for the weekend while they spent the time renovating their daughter's room. They wanted to be bright with glowing soft colors, so they painted one wall with the Wizard of Oz. It was something good. Yeah, and new to look forward to. And afterward, Laurel said, quote, it felt good for a moment in my home, end quote. When they finished redecorating, they called Brian's mom to come over and bring Isabella to see her new bedroom. And the room was just beautiful. Judy said that it looked like a professional had decorated it, and she was proud of Laurel for doing such a good job. So Laurel's thrilled, her daughter has a beautiful new room, her mother-in-law's happy, like, she's killing it. But when she walked back into Isabella's room a few minutes later, she saw that the entire room had been destroyed. Laurel said, quote, I almost fell on the floor. It just wasn't possible, end quote. She immediately asked Isabella, what happened? What did you do? Laurel, who sounded absolutely heartbroken in her interview, said, quote, I'd worked so hard. I was so Ugh. angry, end quote. But Isabella was adamant. She said, mommy, please. Mommy, I didn't do this. And at this point in her interview, Laurel starts to tear up. She said, quote, I saw my loved ones being afraid and I was in so much denial. I tried to make them think it wasn't real and it was real. Yeah. And I'm not doing the like delivery of this line justice because like the genuineness with which she says this is just heartbreaking. Like, it's not this bold declaration. She says it so softly and, like, with such surety that it genuinely gave me chills. Like, she knew there was no way her daughter did this and that something else was responsible. Mm-hmm. So, not knowing what else to do, they were forced to put the incident behind them. <sighs> yep. Guys. I know. Every time, they're just like, it's fine. It'll get better. Like, it's... Mm. Again, like,
0: I I understand finances are a fucking thing, man. And buying a house is no yeah. insignificant chunk of change. You know, that's a, for a lot of people, it is a lifelong commitment. Like yes. a lot of people like are stuck in that house wherever they buy forever. So I would hope you put a lot of thought into, into such a financial decision. So I get if you're like, I can't just bolt. I can't just leave because my finances would allow it. But like do literally anything else, any other thing. Other than we're just going to move on and pretend like this didn't happen. Yeah. It's not working. It's only escalating from, from my viewpoint.
1: Yes. Agreed. When Brian would lie in bed at night, though, he continued to feel like something was watching him. He kept wondering what was in that room. What was he going to wake up to? What was going to happen? Brian said, quote, it literally starts to drive you crazy. It literally starts to make you lose your mind. End quote. Yeah, He didn't know what was going to happen, but he could tell it was all coming to a head. One night when Brian's mom, Judy, was giving Isabella a bath, she said she could tell something was wrong. Then Isabella said, Nana, can I tell you something? Her grandmother said, of course, and listened hmm. as Isabella told her that Emily told her to go out the window. She said, what the fuck? Emily told me it's okay to come out the window and play that she would catch me. Terrified at the idea, her grandmother told her it wasn't okay and that she could get hurt. Judy, who began tearing up in her interview, told Isabella, if you go out that window, you're going to die. Judy said, quote, I knew then it was a serious problem. Emily was going to take away somebody that I truly loved and needed in my life. Isabella's grandmother truly believed they could lose her to an unknown. After they heard this, Isabella's parents were terrified at the thought of their daughter climbing out her second floor window and falling off the roof, so Brian decided to screw her window shut, and he said he used like 12 screws in each window, so he's not fucking around. Yeah. While he felt reassured that Isabella wouldn't be able to climb out the window and fall, he knew he was also running the risk of endangering his family. If there were ever a fire, they could easily get trapped upstairs with no way to get out of the house. He even said himself, quote, to screw your daughter's windows shut, that's insane, end quote. Yeah? Yes. Like, this is the level where, like, you think you're going crazy and you're doing crazy shit that you actually don't think is safe in order to keep your family safe. Yes. I can't even imagine. Yes. Laurel said she felt like she was trapped in her home and just didn't know what was going to happen if Emily was going to take her daughter from her. Now – Isabella never went near the basement. She wasn't allowed down there. She knew that was strictly a no-no and that the basement door was kept closed. One night, while Isabella was playing quietly on the floor, Laurel heard a commotion and turned to check on her daughter. Now, this part's a little odd because mainly the information is from the reenactment. She doesn't quite explain what happened very well, but basically the basement door was closed. Uh Then she hears a commotion. Basement door is not closed anymore and Isabella is no longer playing on the floor where she was playing prior to this. And she knows that Isabella is now in the basement and she immediately fears the worst. She is worried that she broke her neck or she cracked her head open or she's seriously injured at the bottom of the stairs. So she immediately ran down the stairs to check on Isabella Mm -hmm. and is relieved to see that she's and yeah. when she asked her what happened, Isabella said, quote, Emily pulled me down the steps, end quote. <gasps>
0: Full body chills. Girl,
1: yes. Oh, my God. I can't even express to you how much this is my nightmare. You know. I mean. I mean, this is anyone's nightmare. If yeah. it's not your
0: nightmare, I think there's something wrong. <laughs> I mean, wrong obviously,
1: like, no one is like, yeah, this is my dream situation. Like, I would love this. Thanks.
0: I mean, there might be. It's just not anyone in this conversation.
1: No, no, definitely not. <laughs> Although Laurel was determined not to let this defeat her, she said she felt broken at that point. But she realized she had a choice. She could either stand up and fight or lay back and let this continue to drive her insane. Yeah. And obviously, she wanted to fight for her family. But as Laurel puts it, how do you battle something you can't see? Yeah. And again, like in this interview, she just sounds so heartbroken and lost and just... At her wit's end, like, she just doesn't understand and doesn't know what to do. Yeah. But Laurel is determined to figure this out, and she goes on a crusade to get someone in the house to help them take care of it. She wasn't sure whether that would be someone who could bless the house or gather evidence, but she just knew they needed to get help. Eventually, Mm -hmm. they got in contact with a medium, who agreed to come to the house and do an investigation. The medium sat down, and Laurel said she had this quote-unquote, long stare. Okay. So the medium is just sitting there, staring off distantly, and Laurel hears her start to sing, Mary Had a Little Get lamb. the fuck out! Brian said, quote, it shocked the hell out of me at first, end quote, because they hadn't told her anything about Isabella singing mm. that song, so how the fuck would she know to sing that particular song? Then the singing came to an immediate stop. And in a suddenly deep voice, the medium demanded that they get the Bibles out of the house. What the fuck? I know. Fucking weird, dude. They took both of the family's Bibles out of the house, but the medium continued to insist and said that he said there's another Bible. And Brian's like, wait, he said? And the medium confirmed that yes it was a he. Brian told her that their daughter had been talking to Emily, not a man. Mm -hmm. And that's when Brian realized, quote, there's a man in my home that was preying on my daughter and I was terrified. Mm -hmm. It was a Mm -hmm. whole different level of anxiety then, a whole different level of fear, end quote. That's like in Poltergeist.
0: The whole thing in in Poltergeist is that the thing is presenting itself as a child to the child. But it's not actually it's like, a child. But it is it is the beast. Yes.
1: So like that's what's happening in this situation. Is it's pretending oh. it's a little girl named Emily, but it's actually Yeah. Because not. then then
0: it'll interact with you and yes. play with you,
1: whatever, and you can get its trust yes. if it's just a little girl like you. Oh girl, I had actually forgotten that part about poltergeist, so I'm super glad you yeah. brought that up.
0: Yeah, Zelda. Queen Zelda, she's like you know, to a child, it's he's she
1: sees it, it's just another child. Yes, but it is the, the beast. beast. I think that's mm-hmm. like the situation we're dealing the with vibe. here, for oh sure. My fuck, for <gasps> sure. So, the medium continues to insist that there is another Bible in the house, but they they're like, no, we only have the two. I don't know what's going on. So they started ransacking Isabella's room to try and find this Bible, and Brian said, "Quote, get the fuck out." Sure enough. There was a Bible. end quote. It was one that Isabella had never showed them. They had had no idea it was there, and How they the fuck did knew she get it? that there was no way this woman could have known it was there. Uh, I don't know. I actually had a friend when I was a kid who gave me a Bible as a gift.
0: Um, Dude, d- as the person who went to eleven years of Catholic school, I've never been gifted a really? Bible. Really?
1: Oh, except you're not a like heathen. my first communion, they were like. They, Monique, the audience. They were like, "Wait, your parents don't take you to church every Sunday." And I was like, "No, I'm allowed to like wake up and watch cartoons and eat cereal in front of the TV." And they were like, "Oh, honey, baby, here you go. You need this in your life because your parents are heathens and they're not raising you right."
0: I was given a Bible on my first Communion, and when I went to a retreat in high school, like at my Catholic high school, we were all given Bibles that were written with really lovely messages from our like retreat leaders, but that was, like, contextually made sense yes. as to why I was gifted these. Yes. I wasn't just, like, living my fucking she life, and like, someone's like, you need a fucking Bible. You're welcome. That's weird. Well, that's fucking weird. Good that's for you,
1: weird. Not all of us can say the same, okay? <laughs> People see me on the street, they're like, you need a Bible, girl. I can tell. Just, like, you're a I guess so. <laughs> so, as, yeah. as the resident Catholic in the combo, that's fucking weird. It is weird. I don't know where she got this Bible from. They did not address that,
0: but... She had it. They didn't know. The medium couldn't have known, but she knew. Correct.
1: Girl, perfect summary. Yes. I got you. You got me. After that, Brian said, quote, I believed in everything she was saying after that, end mm-hmm. quote. Mm-hmm. The medium yeah. told them that the man hated them and hated their daughter. Laurel said, quote, I was terrified. I was frightened. I was angry. I had so many emotions because I didn't know where to start. It wasn't a solution, end quote. Which, like, facts. I fucking get it. Like, even if this woman is like, okay, you have a thing in your house, like, you're like, okay, now what? How the fuck do I get out of my house? How the fuck do I protect my family? Like, what the fuck? Laurel said she felt as if whatever her daughter had been speaking to was now going to prove to her that it was real and that it was here and it was going to show her. Uh. uh, like, yeah. It was going to fucking show her. Uh-uh. Girl, no, I don't want any fucking part of this. Absolutely fucking not. So one night while Isabella was in bed and Brian was alone downstairs, he lit a bunch of red candles and he mm. doesn't really say why. So I'm not sure if he thought this was like a cleansing ritual or this was just like ambiance right. or what the fuck his thought process was on this. Sure. But as he turned away, one of the candles flew four to five feet. Yeah. Get- the fuck out. Splattering wax all over the wall. And he said, because it's hot wax and the way it's dripping and it's a red candle, that it literally looked like blood dripping down the walls. He went upstairs to get Laurel, who was on the phone with her mom at the time. And her mom is telling her, like, you have to get the fuck out of this house. Like, you have to go. And she's just like, I know, I know. But, like, what are we going to do? We can't afford anything. Blah, blah, blah. Then, out of the corner of her eye, Laurel saw Something. She said mm-hmm. it was so fast that it happened in a second. Isabella's toy chest went flying across the room. And she's not in the what room. The fuck? She's just standing there. Yes. Also, a child's toy it's chest- It's pretty heavy. Like a child can't pick that no, up. Even like a small one is like heavy no. usually. I have a- sh- Because it's full yes, of shit. I have a shitty one from Ikea that I fucking put together in 15 minutes that like is still- pretty heavy, and I would have a hard time throwing it across the room, let alone a five-year-old child. So obviously, they're fucking startled by that, and they're starting to be afraid because what the fuck is going to happen next? Brian said he was terrified because it was clear that things were starting to get violent. Mm -hmm. That night, they fell asleep with the TV on, and when Laurel woke up to Brian's hand around her throat, she knew instantly the man in bed with her wasn't her husband. She said, oh
0: my God, I know
1: I gave myself chills right then because like I know what's coming and it's just, it's too real. It's too fucking, it's too fucking much. It's too scary. She said, quote, I knew my husband protects me and loves me. He's never touched me prior to this. He was possessed by something. It was an evil, evil, dark spirit. End quote. Brian said, quote, it was very shocking and it, it just wasn't me. I was scared. I would never hurt my wife. End quote. And honestly, I believe this guy. Like you see his interviews. Mm-hmm. He has a very calm manner when he speaks. He doesn't seem aggressive in any way, shape, or form. He doesn't really give me like bad vibes. Like he seems like he's just kind of like a genuinely good chill guy. And that's weird to just be sleeping and then you're like, I'm gonna attack my wife. Yeah, just gonna like casually choke her. NBD.
0: Like, that's usually, like... Escalates. There's inciting incidents. It's
1: like, you say some shit, and he doesn't like it, and then you're against the wall, and he's choking you. Like, okay, yes, that was... Right. Yes. A plus B equals C, of course. thank you, yeah. But not, I'm sleeping, what the fuck? And now I'm, I can't breathe, and my husband is choking me out, even though I, I know my husband would never do this. So, Brian had Laurel pinned against the wall, and she said the look on his face was just this horrifying stare. He lifted her by the throat with one hand and (gasps) Laurel was convinced she was going to die that night and wondered whether Isabella was going to die too. I can't even imagine. No. And there's like, there's like a weird morbid part of me that's like, are there actually like murders that are committed where we for sure were like, oh, it's obviously the husband. He's 100% guilty. There's no way it wasn't. And then it was like, but was he possessed by some fucking entity this whole time this like i mean demonic thing who knows who knows
0: really i know for certain it wasn't ted bundy fact fuck that motherfucker who's always like the entity go, go fuck, fuck yourself. yourself then it was the entity and and porn him watching porn made him murder people get the fuck uh, out
1: of here. i've watched quite a bit girl fucking yeah insane. i've not murdered anybody yet to this day i'm too busy watching porn i have time to murder anybody monique <laughs> god damn it okay <laughs> only so many hours in the day. I am <laughs> so obsessed with you. I literally
0: can't handle it. I love you so much. I
1: love you so much. I love when you react the way I want you to react to things I say. I'm always like, yes, this is Monique is for me. You're
0: like, nailed You're it. Uh, you did. Thank that you. was wonderful. Yeah, I'm so glad you like that. Um.
1: <laughs> I just broke. I had a moment where I was in the story and I was just like, can you imagine if he actually had killed her right then? Like, It would be an open-shut case. They would 100% convict him. There would be absolutely no questions. They would not have admitted any of this weird Emily bullshit into court because ghosts aren't real. That's not real. Right. Why the fuck would we even... I mean... He would be in jail for murder. That would be pretty
0: wild if that has happened.
1: I'm just, like, pondering. I'm just throwing a thing out there. Sure. I'm not saying I believe that has happened and is true, but I just, like, had a moment where I was like, if he actually killed her right now, it would be really bad for him. There is literally no way he could explain his way out of this that anyone would believe him. Yeah, totally. Okay. Back to the choking.
0: Ugh. And this time it's not this fun. This time it's not
1: fun. This is not, like, <clears throat> playful. Like, <laughs> No. This is not cute choking. Okay. So she's convinced she's going to die. She's worried her daughter's going to die. But Uh, fortunately, she managed to get away from the violent entity wearing her husband's face, and she's just trying to make it downstairs. But getting down the steps felt like an eternity. And again, in this point in her interview, she's crying. She ran outside, uh, convinced he was chasing her. But when she looked back, he wasn't. He was just standing in the doorway and asking if she was okay. She knew instantly that he was back to himself and that it was him. According to Laurel... He was just as afraid as she was. He said, quote, I believe the spirit got a hold of me because they knew that we knew the truth. I believe it tried showing itself full force that night of what it could really do. End quote. Oh my God. After Laurel made it back into the house safely, she went into the dining room and screamed, quote, You won. It's yours. End quote. In tears, Laurel said, quote, it didn't matter that I was losing my home. It didn't matter as long as I was leaving with my husband and my daughter safe. We were done. We had been through enough, end quote. The very next day, Brian called his aunt who said that she would help and that they should have called her sooner. They immediately started packing, which <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. When I first heard that part, I was like, oh my God, was she like a fucking psychic this whole time? And like, she could fucking solve everything. And I was like, oh no, she's just like gonna take them in and help support them financially. That's what she means by like, help them (laughs) this is this is not zelda where it's like yeah where she's like fucking can come and zelda's like this house is (laughs) like no that's not his aunt's situation (laughs) which is what i was picturing i was like wait how is she helping if she's just like helping them get away and i was like oh she means like you can sleep on my couch and like i'll help you get on your feet again not like i can solve your demon problems like no (laughs) that's not the thing that's happening I love that
0: we've been doing this podcast enough that that's where that's automatically yes, where you that's went
1: automatically. To. I'm obsessed. Of course, of course. <laughs> so they immediately started packing up and throwing things in the car, but they honestly ended up leaving most of their belongings. Brian said he didn't want to take anything out of the house because he was afraid it would be able to attach itself. Attach itself. Yeah. He said he just wanted to start over. When they finally drove away from the house, all he felt was relief. He said it was like a weight had lifted off his shoulders and he could finally breathe again. Laurel said they lost a lot when they left, but they walked away a happy, healthy family and that's all that matters. She said, quote, we're strong, end quote. Uh. Brian said there is no way he would ever live in that house again. Even if there was nowhere else to go, he said he would rather live in the woods in a tent than ever go back there, quote if someone offered me a million dollars, I wouldn't even go back in that house. End quote. Brian also said, quote, I never believed in ghosts, but I do now. End quote. Mm, That gave me chills. Girl, it gets me every time. I love when the people are like, I never believe in ghosts and I like never ever would have believed this was a thing. And then they were like, and then I fucking saw some shit and you fucking, you got me. I believe. Thank you. Yeah. Since moving, Brian, Laurel, and Isabella have experienced... No paranormal activity. And allegedly, according to Paranormal Witness, the new owners left quickly because pictures kept falling off the walls. And that is the crazy story of Isabella and her imaginary friend, Emily, a.k.a. The Beast, because it was not Emily. That was a ruse. That was
0: Fucking crazy! Girl, it's my nightmare. It's literally my nightmare. I
1: feel like I didn't really realize until right now, actually. Although I probably should have sooner. We had like a all like spooky children's theme for Halloween, which yeah. I'm not upset about because children are the. Scariest was it all thing to me. all months? Kind of. I guess mine really wasn't because it was like it started with like possessed children. That was my thought behind it, but yes, it really yes, was yes. just like possession. And I mean, is there anything scarier? No, no,
0: literally no. That's why I thought about. It.
1: I was like. I was like, is there, like, some, like, clown urban legend or something I can go in? And I was like, honestly, Scary Children wins every time, hands down. Yeah. Always. I will take a clown over a possessed child any day. 100%. All day. Every day. That was amazing. Holy fuck. Thank you. Paranormal Witness. Actually, really good. You guys, check it out. It's not
0: what uh what streaming platform is So on?
1: you can watch it on Sci-Fi because it's on Sci-Fi. Nice. So Sci-Fi has an app and I think they give you like 3 free episodes to watch with uh-huh. that. However, it is also on Peacock, which is free. You just have oh, to sign nice. up. So all the episodes cool. as far as I know are on there and you just have to watch it with a few commercials. So bam. Amazing. Yeah. I'm going
0: to check that yeah. out. Uh, that story was fucking amazing. Holy Good, shit. I you
1: liked it. I hope everyone was appropriately scared for Halloween. Yeah. For possessed children, don't talk to imaginary friends, you guys. They're not real.
0: Yeah. And how something presents itself may not be what it is. That
1: was the fucking part that got me the whole time was that, like, yeah. Oh, it's Emily. Like, it's fine. It's just a little girl. I was like, oh, it's like a little dead girl. Like, it's kind of creepy, but like, whatever. And it was like, oh, it was this dude this whole time, by the way. Well, because that's a thing
0: that going back last week and the week before to uh, Queen Grace's PSA about Ouija Wars. Is something that I remember always reading is, just like people, they can lie. You don't know what they're saying is true. And you don't know that they are who they're
1: saying they are. You saying that gave me chills. Fuck, dude. Like, it's Mm -hmm. such a fucking scary thing. It doesn't occur to you because, like, most people just chalk it up to nothing anyway. And they're just like, whatever, that's not real. So to add in the fact that, like, not only is it real, but, like, they can be duplicitous.
0: Yeah. And they it's could,
1: other level.
0: And they could be duplicitous for extremely nefarious reasons, because they want to get into your home, and they want you to be trusting and let them in. Yes. Oh my, it's it's the stuff of nightmares, truly. Oof. I know. I mean, spooky season. That is the the story for Girl, Halloween. i will flashing my skeleton titties make
1: Yes, skeleton titties! <laughs> it makes everyone so. <laughs>
0: Guys, it's going on the gram. You have to see these
1: skulls. They're so good. Are so good. They're so good. Amazon, baby. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm ready for some crime time. You got some crime time. Boop, 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 boop. Boop. All right. Traumatize me, Monique. I'm ready. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, guys, it's fucking Halloween. So I had to do a Halloween story.
1: <clears throat> what? Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, baby. A Halloween-themed true crime story? Yeah, baby. I got you. Fuck. You're
1: too good, Monique, sometimes.
0: So. I mean, I try. So I hope you you enjoy the story. Uh, I'm going to start off with my sources. AETV.com, TexasArchive.org, CTPost.com, Vice.com, History.com, Medium.com, SmithsonianMag.com, UPI.com, newyorktimes.com and wikipedia.com see i told you, you i had all the sources
1: for i was you. like you really balanced out my one like shitty like i, I watched an episode yes. of paranormal witness and i recapped it for you guys you're welcome thanks patting myself on that. i
0: read the entire internet for the story you're it looks like i actually did research thanks
1: shut the fuck up
0: um, i love you your story was insane so let's start at the beginning a wonderful place to start the origins of Halloween can be dated back 2,000 years to the ancient pre-Christian Celtic festival of Samhain. The Celtic calendar begins on November 1st, and the Celts believed that as we moved from one year to the next, the dead returned to the earth so that on October 31st, again known as Samhain, the dead and the living would overlap, and demons would roam the earth again.
1: Cool, cool, cool. Fun. So let's, let's dress up and party with the demons. Yeah. Right?
0: On the sacred night, villagers disguised themselves in costumes made of animal skins to drive away phantom visitors. The thought was, if you encountered a real demon roaming the earth, they would think that you were one of them and they'd leave you alone. <laughs> they're not very bright, I guess. Apparently, they're I like, guess not. I, I think it's a demon. It looks like a dude in a wolf
1: skin, but
0: like... Isn't that, eh. isn't that essentially in Shaun of the Dead that they just all yes. pretend to be and they like leave them yes. alone? Okay. Okay. <laughs> So it's the same vibe. Noted. Noted. But the Celts were into this 2,000 years ago, before Shaun of the Dead. (laughs) I hope they got like an intellectual property credit. (laughs) (laughs) The ancient Celtic civilization. During some Celtic celebrations of Samhain, bonfires were lit, sacrifices were made, and banquet tables were prepared, and food was left out to pay homage to the dead and placate unwelcome spirits. All of this is very Day of the Dead vibes to me. It's all very similar. In later centuries, during the Middle Ages, people began dressing as ghosts, demons, and other malevolent creatures, performing antics in exchange for food and drink. This custom, known as mumming, is thought to be an antecedent to trick or treating. Oh, okay. By the ninth century, Christianity had spread into Celtic lands, and Christianity has this habit of doing this thing where they take pagan <laughs> religion,
1: like pagan <laughs> traditions, and rebrand them as Christian customs. Um, like, yeah, hi, uh, all your shit's now our shit. And we're calling it something else. Thanks. You don't know what you're doing.
0: So yeah. it's like super loud now because we can't take it away from you because then there's no way you would yeah. join us. So we're going to do the same thing, but like call but it a different school. It's cool.
1: Like we're cool. We're like the cool
0: parents. No, yeah. literally, they like <laughs> did that with the theater. Like one of the first like known plays that uh, has been found that's been written is a Christian play. Because they took all of the pagan plays. And they're like, actually, let's just, that's great. Love this journey for you. But how about we make this Christian? <laughs> and now, guys, we have plays too. We're hip. Cool. We're, we're with just, it.
1: Like, we'll just we're change cool, all cool, the names. Cool. They'll never fucking know. If they're idiots. Yeah.
0: They'll never know. <laughs> Speaking of name changes, enter All Souls Day and All Saints Day. In 1000 AD, the church designated November 2nd as All Souls Day, which was a time for honoring the dead. Celebrations in England resembled that of the Celtic rituals of Samhain, complete with the bonfires. All Saints Day, which is November 1st in the liturgical calendar, is celebrated by people dressing up as saints, angels, and even a few demons. I absolutely dressed up in grade school, Catholic grade school, as an angel. No, not an angel, as a saint for All Saints Day. And I didn't recall that until doing this research. And I was like, oh yeah, I fucking did that. And I'm pretty sure there was no like specifying. I was like, I'm I wasn't going to say, white. were you a? Specific I'm not going to say saint. Fuck.
1: Like, how do you
0: probably? Okay. Not enough that I remember. I have no recollection as to who my saint was. I would assume it's probably. Monica oh, I was going to say, isn't it it's your closest. saint probably or no? So it was prior to well, you so, being confirmed, um, so you wouldn't
1: have had a saint at that point.
0: So in the way way back, people used to name their children after. The feast day, the the saint of the feast day that they're born on. So, for instance, my grandfather would be like, "Your saint day is coming up." Um, Interesting. But but I wasn't named after the saint. uh, That you know, Saint I don't Saint Monique. That was
1: not Boss bitch. (laughs) I don't remember that. Yeah, but our patron saint of
0: swearing. (gasps) Our patron saint of fucks uh wait that's amazing <laughs> i need that yeah, i was like you should make
1: like a tarot deck or something with that because that's fucking amazing. oh my god and just that's like great. prayer yeah. prayer candles absolutely i would pray to uh, your saint. No, so Monique. that's for me yeah thank you, you just
0: keep that blasphemy fuck going yeah. baby uh i think i told you the story about when i was born and that situation
1: i know i was like you came out screaming fuck what happened okay
0: I know. Well, I did disappoint my mother before I was born. So I started that party (laughs) really soon. Um, (laughs) So, so I was uh, a C-section baby uh, to steal a line from Shakespeare from my mother's womb (laughs) untimely ripped. And if you are a C-section, you're given like a window of like five days or so that you can pick uh, when, when to deliver the baby. And October 28th, which is the day before my birthday, is uh, the feast day of St. Jude, patron of all causes, who is my family's like saint. He's our homie. And my mom was like, oh, my God. Amazing. Great. Let's have my daughter be born on St. Jude's feast day. And then the doctor was like, well, I'm playing golf that day. So pick another day. So she settled for the 29th. And fun fact, still does not remember when my birthday is. (laughs) Because she's had her heart set on the twenty eighth. So in her head on the 28th time.
1: now. Oh my yeah. god, stop. Yeah.
0: So saints are related to all the things. Uh continuing with the story. There were also those known as soulers or poor people who would visit the homes of wealthier families during Hallow Mass or November first and receive pastries called soul cakes in exchange for a promise to pray for the souls of the homeowners' dead relatives. Known as souling, the practice was later taken up by children who would go from door to door asking for gifts such as food, money, and ale.
1: I'm in sorry, Scotland just as like little kids walking around like, you got any ale. beer? Yeah. Come on, man, give it, give it up. Hey, how about the High Life?
0: Can, Can you champagne help a out,
1: please? Thanks.
0: I need some Bud Light Limes <laughs> right in my mouth.
1: <laughs> got any Palomas? I'm really, yeah.
0: Oh, girl. I mean, if I knew then what I know now. <laughs> Paloma, my fuck... I'd be mean, like, take your fucking tutsi rolls. I, want, your I want a goddamn yeah. six-pack of Jose Cuervo Palomas. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Please and thank you. <laughs> in Scotland and Ireland, young people took part in a tradition called guising, or dressing up in costume and accepting offerings from various households. Rather than pledging to pray for the dead, they would sing a song, recite a poem, tell a joke, or perform another sort of trick before collecting their treat.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Which typically consisted of fruits, nuts, or coins. The tradition of dressing up at the end of October, beginning of November, and asking for treats didn't emerge in the States until the 1920s. In the U.S., the earliest recorded example of the phrase trick-or-treat dates to 1928. That November, Michigan's Bay City Times published a story detailing the, quote, fatal ultimatum Unquote of quote tricks or treats unquote and the deadly utterance by quote some small children who clutched in. <laughs> this is so dramatic. What is
1: happening? It's a
0: very dramatic. By some small child who clutched in one grubby fist a small chunk of soap capable of eliminating the transparency from any number of windows. <laughs> end quote. Because this is oh, is that apparently. What was the the devastating, you know, oh tomfoolery that was happening? Yeah, was they like were you like don't egg soaping out the windows. You soap the windows so you can't see. It. And it's like they're basically cleaning it. You just wash, it, you just wet it, and it's great.
1: Right? I was just thinking, like, they did like step one for you. You're welcome. Like, fucking relax. free labor. Yeah. Grubby fist. Like, how I know. fucking. I dramatic? get that, though. Yeah. I though. Mean. Have you touched a child recently? Like, they're sticky.
0: <laughs> rolls they're real on sticky. rolls. Yeah. So many rolls. During the 1920s, pranks had become the Halloween activity of choice for rowdy young people. It was during the night of Halloween in which kids would cause all sorts of mischief, ranging from, as we said, soaping windows to detaching a rain gutter and throwing it on the porch and even tossing out flour to men dressed nicely in black coats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's
1: pretty great. I'm not I lie. mean, yeah, I kind of love that. They'd be pissed. I get it. But it's flour. You could dust it off.
0: Yeah, whatever. As obvious, if it gets wet, then that's shitty. Oh, yeah. Because then it gets, like, pasty. Yeah. Later on, ringing doorbells and running away and toilet papering the neighborhood properties were part of the vandalism trickery. Trick or treat had now taken on a whole new meaning. Give a treat or get a trick. The Great Depression exacerbated the problem, with Halloween mischief often devolving into vandalism physical assaults, and sporadic acts of violence. Oh, shit. One, right? People need to calm the fuck down. One theory suggests that excessive pranks on Halloween led to the widespread adoption of an organized, community-based trick-or-treating tradition in the 1930s, bringing the concept of trick-or-treating into the mainstream. This trend was abruptly curtailed, however, with the outbreak of World War II, when sugar rationing meant that there were few treats to hand out. At the height of the post-war baby boom, trick-or-treating reclaimed its place among other Halloween customs and it quickly became standard practice for millions of children in America's cities and newly built suburbs. No longer constrained by sugar rationing, candy companies capitalized on the lucrative ritual launching national advertising campaigns specifically aimed at Halloween. According to the National Retail Federation, Americans spend an estimated 26 billion dollars on candy on Halloween. What? Yes. That's wild. Fucking crazy. Okay. And the day itself has become the nation's second largest commercial holiday. Now that we got the origins of trick-or-treating out of the way, let's fast forward to October 31st, 1974. Ronald Clark O'Brien lived with his wife, Daneen, and two children, Timothy and Elizabeth, in the middle-class Houston, Texas suburb of Deer Park. He worked as an optician and served as a deacon at a Baptist church, where he sang in the choir and oversaw the parochial bus program. Those who knew Ronald considered him a model citizen, with one pastor describing Ronald as, quote, a good Christian man and an above-average father, end quote.
1: Which, (laughs) is that a ringing endorsement? Above Above average? average? Considering, I feel like average is like, still pretty shitty at this time like yeah so it's like a rung over that yeah. because average at this point is like
0: beating the shit out of your kids yeah because it's the 70s and it's like whatever
1: so above average father they're like wow the uh the praise is overwhelming on that one yeah i get, I, mean, I totally like, i can't it's, handle it it's too i'll whoa whoa you guys being
0: told I'm above average at anything.
1: It's like being like, you're a slight, you're slightly better than a mediocre father. It's like, oh my God, thank yeah. you so, so much. You're The only kind. thing I would
0: take that as a compliment is like at math, which I know is yeah. not true. I'm definitely not above <laughs> average at math. I would, I would be happy if I was average at it. I'd be like, fuck yes. I'm <laughs> nailing my life. Um, everything else. No, I want to be like. Exceptional. Yeah. exception, Exactly. Exceptional. Yeah. And above. You want to be an exceptional father, not an above-average father. That's like a fucking read
1: and a burn, I think. It Um, sounds like almost like a backhanded compliment situation, Exactly, Exactly. Like He's an above-average father, yeah. Right. So
0: on Halloween night in 1974, it was a rainy night. And while Ronald had never shown any interest in Halloween previously, he was eager to take his eight-year-old son Timothy and five-year-old daughter Elizabeth out trick-or-treating in the neighboring suburb of Pasadena the trio were joined by family friend and neighbor jim bates as well as his two children the group had been successfully trick-or-treating when they came across a house that had the lights turned off well it didn't look like anyone was home the potential of candy was too enticing no. so the kids no. banged on the door anyway but received no response uh, yeah
1: cuz the lights are Girl. off that's the that's the sign of like i'm not participating in this bullshit like my lights are off thanks right.
0: i'm not home i'm I, Take i'm the not hint. home
1: Slash, I don't
0: want to talk yeah. to you. I don't want to engage with you. Lights are off. Take the hint. Move to the exactly. next house. Right. So, but here's the thing. They're kids. They have even less patience than me, if you can imagine. They this fucking so candy. They're like, what the fuck? Okay, no one's answering. So they grew impatient and they moved to the next house and Jim followed. Ronald, however, stayed behind. A minute or so later, Ronald caught up with them, triumphantly holding five 21-inch pixie sticks. Turned out, someone had been in the dark house all along and gave him the expensive treats for the group. Ronald handed the prize sticks out, one to each of his two children and one to each of Jim Bates' two children, and the last to a 10-year-old boy Ronald recognized from church as the group walked
1: home. Oh, no. I forgot they made pixie sticks that big. Do you remember those? They were, like, Abso- fucking, fucking massive. Ugly. It was, like, essentially, like, PVC pipe. Yeah,
0: It was, like, plastic plastic. Yeah. Because we had, you know, in our in our time period, time smoking <laughs> cigarette in my day, there was like the small, yeah. the small ones that were paper, mm-hmm. and you could just. But you know, every now and
1: then, you you saw it's like the big plastic ones. Yeah, they the were like big, two and then it would long, have basically. the vertical,
0: the vertical stripes. Yeah, would be like a color in white. Yes, yeah, and that was the thing. You'd be like, Mom, I want it. And any parent, any parent
1: was like, this is like a like, cup of sugar. First of all.
0: It's like a gallon of sugar <laughs> it's so because much. it's two feet long. It's so much. Basically, the only parent who was buying this was like one who was in a, content- a contentious, like divorce and custody battle and was like, I know I have to drop you off at your mother's in like two Here hours so fuck yeah. it, she can fucking deal with you. Um, that's who's buying the pixie stick for their Agreed. kid. Or like an aunt who's like, I'm. A- they're also not my kid. I'm dropping yeah, you off with your parents. have fun. Uh, no parent is giving their kid a pixie no. stick. Like, not that pixie no. stick. Even like the ones we had was very questionable. For real. Because it literally was just, what was it? Maybe like four inches, six inches yeah. of
1: just sugar. Straight sugar, yeah. Oh, it was the best. So good.
0: Oh, fuck. It's so good. And it was like, like a tart, sour, oh, sour love. Sugar. Yeah, I love
1: sour. You know, I, I know, love sours. I know you love a sour.
0: Back home in Deer Park, Ronald told his children they could each have one piece of candy from the evening's hall before bed. Ronald recommended the pixie stick tube, and Timothy agreed. As the eight-year-old went to eat his sugar treat, nothing came out because the powdered sugar was stuck in the straw. His father helped him dislodge it and poured the candy into his mouth. After his first mouthful, the boy complained the normally sweet and sour treat tasted bitter. Oh, no. So Ronald gave him a glass of Kool-Aid to help him wash the taste away. Almost immediately, Timothy became violently ill. Ronald said, quote, 30 seconds after I left Tim's room, I heard him cry to me, Daddy, daddy, my stomach hurts. End quote. Ronald later told the police, quote, he was in the bathroom convulsing, vomiting, and gasping, and then he suddenly went limp. End quote.
1: Oh my God.
0: Eight-year-old Timothy O'Brien died while en route to the hospital
1: less than an hour (gasps) after he had consumed the tainted candy. Holy shit. I have so many chills right now. I hate every part of this. It's gonna get worse. That's well, just, I think we I should know have just named the podcast. It's gonna get, worse. It's gonna
0: get yeah. worse. Another fucking horror podcast. Colon. It's gonna get worse. <laughs> it's gonna get worse. <laughs> because facts. Yes, literally facts. When Timothy's body was brought to the morgue, the medical examiner smelled the scent of almonds coming from the boy's oh, mouth, no. which is often a telltale sign cyanide. of cyanide poisoning. Mm. An autopsy later confirmed that not only had Timothy died from cyanide poisoning, but that the eight-year-old boy had consumed enough potassium cyanide to kill two grown men. What? Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, this poor little boy.
0: I know. Uh, Can you imagine going to trick-or-treating Halloween? It's the best fucking thing. You're having a great time.
1: You're Yeah. You're with your friends. You're with your dad. It's Christmas
0: for people who love true crime. It's the best. You get candy and you get a fucking pixie stick. To You're dress like I'm up. nailing yeah. your fucking life. Oh no! And you get cyanide poisoning. Fuck, dude. It's gonna get so much worse. So <laughs> buckle up. Okay. The story of Timothy's death quickly spread and sparked fear throughout the Pasadena and Deer Park communities. Fortunately, police were able to retrieve the remaining four pixie sticks before any of the other children had a chance <gasps> to eat the poisonous treat. Okay. Yeah. It was determined that not only had the treats been tampered with, but that someone had replaced the top two inches of each with granules of cyanide. Oof. Yeah. Which two inches of fucking cyanide? Yeah,
1: Jesus. Like,
0: fuck. It was also noted that whoever was responsible had used staples to seal the pixie sticks after tampering with them. Okay. Harris County. Wait. Yeah. This is seventy four. This is seventy four. No one gives a fuck.
1: Dad, though, dad, you didn't see that there were staples on this pixie stick, and have like a moment where you're like, "Hmm, that's not a factory ceiling option. Maybe this is sketchy as fuck."
0: Does that make him above average? I'd say below average. That's my hot take on the situation.
1: Agreed, Monique. I don't think this is. How can I say something?
0: (laughs) So controversial, yet so brave.
1: (laughs) Thank God you're here to say these things, Monique. Thank God. Someone needs to be the the controversial one. (laughs) Okay. Because if I remember correctly, the pixie stick thing is like made of plastic, which means you can literally like heat it up a little bit and squeeze it and it reseals itself. Like it actually would have been super easy to reseal it and not have staples. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like seeing as how like
0: the biochemistry of plastic works. Yes, that makes sense now as a woman who's
1: 37 in a few days. I'm like, oh, I could see that, but that wouldn't occur to me. Oh, okay. Uh, So yeah, I feel like he really fucked that up because he could have made it way less obvious that it had been like opened and resealed. Yeah. Amateur hour. All right. So the shitty ass dad doesn't see that it's stapled.
0: Yeah. Harris County Assistant District Attorney Mike Hinton said, quote, that's what saved another boy's life that night. They found him in bed with the sweet in his hand, <gasps> but he wasn't strong enough to undo the staples. Oh, thank God! Quote. Yeah, one of the Bates children began to open the candy before his mother told him he could eat it tomorrow. <gasps> like, can you imagine? Like, for the rest of my life, I'd be fucked up about that. For
1: real, I would, I would have like, gone like crazy, insane, mom, and I'd literally be like, okay, no more candy, literally ever. Sorry, you eat apples now. Like, that's, absolutely, yeah. 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 Exactly. And then to would be like, Mom, why? It's like, because the fucking Billy died that one year, okay? His name yes. wasn't Billy. I don't remember. I'm sorry. It was Tim. Timmy Tim died okay. that
0: one year. Yeah. There was a candy poisoner on the loose and police weren't fucking around, so they moved fast and they took Ronald back to the neighborhood the group had been trick-or-treating at to retrace their steps so that he could direct them to the house where he would picked up the pixie sticks. But he couldn't find the house. Uh. When asked for the description of the person who gave him the tampered sticks, Ronald said he'd never seen the face of the person responsible. That they had just emerged from the doorway and handed him the candy.
1: Red above average father, flag, dude. Like, look at your life. Look at your choices. Seriously, you, like, literally, above like above
0: um... average.
1: <laughs> Monique, the bar was so low. It
0: was impossible. What it was so low. I want to know what the bar for average was <sighs> in nineteen seventy-four in Deer Park. That he was considered
1: above average. Uh, so what I'm picturing in this situation is basically like, this house is completely dark. There's no lights on. Yeah. Like The guy is like incessantly knocking on the door trying to get candy. The door opens a crack. A a shriveled hand with pixie sticks yes. like, emerges. And the guy's like, oh, that's Absolutely. great. This is super safe. And just grabs the pixie sticks and fucks off and like gives them to the kids.
0: No, literally, it's like a Scooby-Doo episode is what I'm envisioning. I'm like speechless. What? What? Above average. <laughs> Average father. I that I will never get over
1: that statement. There should ever. be an award
0: for that, honestly.
1: Like, the above average father of the year. Congratulations, sir. You won. That's when
0: investigators started to think something was sus-as-fuck here because the two men had only taken their children to homes on two streets because it had been raining. A few days went by and they took Ronald out again and they were firm with him that he had to remember which house he got the sticks from. And the thing is, their suspicions increased after learning that none of the
1: homes they visited had given out pixie sticks. Ah, uh, this dude. Bro. Above average father. I feel like that's really slipping quickly and he's very quickly going to go to above average to uh, worst father of the fucking year. Is that, is that <sighs> your, your final answer? It's kind of my final answer. TBD.
0: TBD. In his third walk in the neighborhood with police, Ronald's memory was jogged, and he pointed the authorities towards the house, but the man who lived there wasn't home. So officers went to his place of work, Houston's William Hobby P. Airport, and arrested him in front of his colleagues. The Pixie sticks poisoner had been caught. Only the man had an alibi. He had been at work
1: all (gasps) night, with timesheets and colleagues confirming the man's story. Hence why his house was... Like, closed up and lights were off because he was at work. So there were people at the house. His wife and daughter had been home
0: but turned out the lights early because they had run out of candy, which is the correct thing to do. You run out, turn out the lights. It's, It's correct Halloween protocol. Suspicion was placed back on Ronald, who was said to be angry with relatives for not staying up late the night of Timothy's funeral because Ronald had written a song about Jesus and Timothy joining the Lord in heaven and had grown agitated when his grieving family wouldn't stay up late to watch the recording of the performance being broadcast on television. Dude. ADA Hinton found this behavior wildly narcissistic and says, Fact. Yeah. Fact.
1: I'm never gonna get over. I'm never gonna get over. It's like yeah.
0: Soon after, while he was teaching a class at the Pasadena Police Academy, detectives arrived at Ronald's door. They had discovered that Ronald had recently taken out life insurance policies on both of his children, Dude. ten thousand dollars, which in today's money is over fifty-five thousand dollars per child in January of that Damn. year. An additional. $20,000, or over $111,000 in today's money, on his children were added a mere 30 days before Halloween. Dude. Yet another 20000 in policies were taken out on both his children mere days preceding Timothy's death. Detectives also discovered that there was a special clause in the policy that would give him $40,000 if Timothy died. Wow. Uh, um, subtle. yeah, as you say, this isn't looking good for you above average, father. Yep. Uh, in information that will be shocking to fucking no one, turns out that Ronald was in the hole for over a hundred thousand dollars, yep. which is over five hundred and fifty thousand dollars in today's <gasps> um, like, All right, he done fucked us. Yeah, pretty fucked. Turns out Ronald had difficulty holding down a job. He was employed by twenty one different companies over a ten year period. Whoa, dude! And was fired from each for negligence or fraudulent behavior. So definitely below average
1: employee. <laughs> for sure, uh, that's uh, an minimum. understatement. Yeah, I have never been fired from a job. You get fired from twenty one I mean, I jobs. Have. <laughs> I definitely have been fired. But not 21 from jobs every in Every single years. job you've ever had, though. That's no, insanity.
0: Absolutely not. And I haven't had 21 jobs in ten yeah, years. No. Either. In the fall of 1974, the 30-year-old was on the brink of being fired from his current employer at Texas State Optical because they suspected him of stealing money. His take-home salary was $150 a week, barely covered food and rent. He had defaulted on several bank loans and his car was on the verge of being repossessed and his family home was under foreclosure. A search warrant for Ronald O'Brien's house was issued and police discovered a pair of scissors with plastic residue attached, which was similar to that found on the cyanide-laced suites. They also found a piece of adding machine tape. On it, Ronald had written down the amount of each of his bills. The total came out to almost the exact amount he stood to collect from the insurance policies. You're fucking sloppy. You are a below average criminal. You could have just thrown that piece of paper away. Like. Literally. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you have this here? Paper trail. What the fuck? Mm. I'm also not telling you how to commit a crime. You're such a trash person. And again, below average father. Yes. Yes. Hot take. Oh. And. If you think it wasn't discovered that at 9 a.m. the morning after his 8-year-old son had died, Ronald O'Brien called the insurance companies inquiring about his payout, you'd be wrong on that one too. So it quickly became clear what the fuck was up and that Ronald O'Brien was arrested and taken in for questioning. Thank fuck. Dude. As police dug deeper, the evidence started to stack against Ronald. It came out that during one of his classes at the community college he was attending, he asked his professor which was more lethal, cyanide or another poison. Authorities also learned that Ronald had inquired with several chemical companies on where to buy cyanide and jokingly asked how much it would take to kill a person. Witness David Lee Jackson, who worked as a salesperson for the chemical company in Houston, told police that in late October 1974, a man had come in right before closing to buy some cyanide. He asked if they had potassium cyanide in stock, then asked about size and price. Jackson said, quote, he was most concerned about the least
1: priced, end uh, quote. Which- I mean, yeah, he's in debt. He's fucking broke To his me- spot. Yeah, he wants the cheap Is cyanide. like the worst- of all. Yeah, of he's it. nickel and diming the fucking
0: way he's going to kill you. He's nickel and diming the poison that he's going to use to kill his yep. children. If he had a coupon, You're he would. He's so used disgusting it, yeah, for sure.
1: Absolutely. Like, yeah, actually, the 20% off cyanide coupon things. Can you It's like, yeah. sorry, this like expired. Uh, can you honor um, it though? Columbus yeah. Day,
0: which we don't say anymore, but it's 1974, so it's a. Yeah. <laughs> The man ultimately left after being told that the smallest amount he could buy was five pounds. Damn, that's which, a lot, yeah. I mean, that's a lot. Why do you need that much cyanide? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know any of these things. Your Honor, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> for anyone familiar with Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. Uh, while Jackson couldn't identify Ronald, he remembered that his customer was wearing a beige or blue smock like a doctor. Ronald O'Brien
1: was an optician and that was exactly the uniform that he wore to yep. work you literally didn't even change out of your work clothes bro you could yeah. wear a white t-shirt and jeans like a thing like everyone has I like bet what? he was
0: probably wearing a fucking name tag that said like hello my name is Ronald O'Brien I be fucking here's my surprised. social and this is where I fucking He's live so dumb this guy's so dumb again and this is the thing that I get so personally offended by of, like you're so bad at this you're so fucking dumb like you dumb. didn't even try and yet you uh, you still killed an eight year old. Yes! An eight year old is dead because you are a dumb fuck. And I fucking
1: hate you. Correct. All of this over a little money. <sighs>
0: I think about that line it's all of fucking, the time. It's Literally so all true. the time. It's
1: fucking so true.
0: Although Ronald played the part of a grieving father. Not very well. Oh, he's like going on TV and like beating oh, his whatever. chest and doing the whole shit after failing a polygraph. He was arrested on November 5th, 1974, and charged with Timothy's murder. Despite everything, he maintained his innocence. Before the trial in 1974, Ronald's wife, Daneen, would visit her husband each week at the Harris County Jail, and each week he would cry and tell her of his innocence. She said, quote, He was so convincing. Sometimes I thought, what if he's telling the truth? but I knew he was lying. Good, okay,
1: good. I was like, if, th- if this woman is standing by him after he fucking murdered her child, I'm like not gonna be okay with that at all.
0: She continued, quote, he beat the wall and asked questions out loud why an eight-year-old boy had to die. I did not see any tears, <gasps> end quote. Oh, fuck, that did give me chills. Right? <sighs> like, can you, Im- can- I- okay, can you imagine this fucking scenario? Your son goes out trick-or-treating. He comes back. He eats a little bit of a pixie stick. He fucking dies of fucking like an hour poisoning. later. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, there's a madman on the loose. JK. It's my husband. It's my husband. And he's like, Babe, they got this all wrong. I'm so distraught. I'm innocent. Banging on the wall. Uh. And then there's no tears. Fuck you. That, mm. That's the thing It in, in regards to the John Bennet
1: yeah. situation.
0: If you look at the TV footage. No tears. There nope. are no tears. It's lots of... Uh, uh, nope. But there's no <laughs> not... And I, I understand getting to the point where, like, tears just don't come out. That you're just kind of, like, done. Like, you, you can't reproduce them fast enough. But you look like how you yeah. feel. You mm-hmm.
1: know what I mean? 100%.
0: And that is just... With JonBenet's mother, nope. it's not Mm-mm. the vibe that I assessed I, from I 100% it. agree with that. So, like... I can't imagine all of this is happening and you're looking at your husband and you put that together. <sighs> you're like, he fucking did this. Like, yep. the, the mind fuck that has to be, I can't even imagine. I hope I never get to find
1: out. Holy fuck. Seriously. Ugh. I've just been like, I've been living with somebody who was capable of murdering our child this whole time. Literally. Yeah.
0: <sighs> Ronald entered a not guilty plea with his defense blaming the tainted candy on some untraceable boogeyman, a sick individual using the cover of Halloween to poison unsuspecting children. But friends, co-workers, and even his wife all testified against the man the press was now calling, the candy man and the man who killed Halloween. Danine testified that she knew nothing about the $20,000 life insurance policies taken out on their children before Halloween. Prosecutors believed that he intended to kill both <gasps> of his children to collect. Yeah, because both of his kids got those. Stop, that's sticks, right. To collect the 60,000 in life insurance, as well as the Bates children in an attempt to make the crime appear. Brandon, random. Yeah. Can you? Dude. I, I just like. I can't stop saying, can you imagine? Because I literally can't. Yes. Yeah. I can't imagine any of this. I can't imagine. I like have financially like been super fucked. And I've never been like you know if I killed my neighbor's kids... literally never. It's never like that didn't even
1: occur no. to me as an option. No, as it shouldn't <laughs> ever. I, yeah, because that's Correct. not the solution. How about try to hold down a job, dude? Instead of like fucking up every six months and having to get a new one and like not doing because your you're job. committing
0: fraud Stealing, and like yeah. you're being negligent, dude. Like, dude. Oh my god, that no one other than Timothy died was. Near chance and honestly a fucking yeah, miracle. Seriously, Danine said she had known only of ten thousand dollar policies on the children obtained through a bank service club, and she had objected to them. She said, quote, "I tried to discourage him, but he said it was the right thing to do, and we didn't have that much money." End quote. An insurance agent testified that Ronald had discussed purchasing the additional policies with his wife prior to buying them. However, Danine said that the first time she learned of the additional policies was after Timothy's death. Fuck. Again, sus as fuck. Can you imagine? Danine recalled that before Timothy's death, Ronald had made an appointment for her with the insurance agent to buy a life insurance policy for her. She said, quote, I think I really was the original intended victim. End quote but Ronald was never able to get the policy because the appointment was canceled because the couple did not have the money to pay the policy's premiums.
1: Oh my God. I can't imagine having to live with that as a mom and being like, I was the target. And because he couldn't, we couldn't afford it. Like my child is now dead. My son died. Yeah. (gasps) Oh, this is so heartbreaking. It's so bad. Happy Halloween. Um, (laughs) Trick or treat
0: kids. Hey, Trick or treat. She said, quote, There were early signs in our marriage that he was a liar. He only admitted to me once that he lied, but never about Tim's death. But I know in my deepest heart of hearts that he is responsible for my son's death. End quote. She later remembered that before their son's death... Ronald had quoted the Bible story about how Abraham must have felt about losing and sacrificing his only son. Go fuck yourself.
1: Seriously, dude? You're going to, like... Keep the Bible out your motherfucking mouth. Ugh. I'm sorry. And do you think you sacrificed your son in the name of God? Is that what you're, like, alluding to here? Because you're fucking delusional if you think that's the case. You're a murderer. And I'm pretty sure... I'm an atheist, so I'm not 100%. Pretty sure, like, don't murder is one of the commandments. Just, like... It is. And also, um, for those who don't know, in the
0: Bible, God was like, hey, Abraham, sacrifice your son. And he was like, fuck, I guess I got to do it because God asked isn't me at to. Isn't the end you like, no, no, JK? He's like, no, 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 JK, JK. I just wanted to make you sure gonna, like you were yeah. super legit,
1: like, isn't it. <laughs> he was like, no, I was he do it. He wasn't like. Yeah, you told me. Yeah.
0: You told me to. You're like, you know, one true God. Um, so it wasn't like, hey, I think you should poison your children and three randos with pixie sticks.
1: Yeah, I don't remember that Bible verse. I don't remember that.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know what book that's in. But.
1: <laughs> but I guess apparently the Bible's up to interpretation, and this guy interpreted like it he's is. a fucking asshole.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I would
1: interpret it like yeah. he's an asshole, and
0: definitely not an above average father. No,
1: like a Where like an he above he average get asshole this moniker.
0: Seriously, above average asshole, absolutely. Danine said, "Quote: I just started putting all those things together." He was my husband and I wanted to believe him, but knowing him and living with him almost 10 years, I knew it was possible. Ooh. End quote. Fuck. And like. That gave me chills. That's but in that thing. Way. Like Absolutely. When you have those like red flaggy things and you're like, that was weird. Mm-hmm. Just going to know. I'm not going to address it, but I'm going to kind of tuck it away yep. so that when the thing happens, be like, fuck, yep. here's all the signs. Yep. On June 3rd, 1975, after forty-six minutes of deliberations, a Harris County jury found Ronald O'Brien guilty of one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. It would take the jury another 71 minutes to sentence him to death by electric chair. Damn, care. all right. I mean uh, no you know, complaints. That's I don't fine. know how I feel about eh. the death penalty, but I'm not I'm okay with penalty. it here, yeah. After being found guilty, Ronald appealed his case multiple times, twice to the Supreme Court. What? Yeah, this motherfucker sold his lie. Like at no point, like he never admitted, he never admitted it. Wow. And like the prosecution believed because it was raining, he was wearing a raincoat. That basically he had shoved the pixie sticks up his sleeve
1: and was holding (gasps) them there,
0: like the whole. And that's how he the whole time. And that's how he had him with him.
1: (sighs) This fucking guy, disgusting. So gross. I can't.
0: Like fuck (sighs) you. He lost every appeal, and a decade after his guilty verdict, on March thirty-first, 1984, Ronald Clark O'Brien was executed at Texas State Penitentiary by lethal injection as the U.S. Supreme Court had ruled the electric chair a cruel and unusual punishment. Outside of the penitentiary, a crowd of around 300 people gathered to hear if the man known as the Halloween Poisoner had met his end, shouting trick-or-treat and throwing candy at anti-death penalty protesters. (laughs)
1: I kind of love Which, that. I'm kind of here for that. I kind of yeah. do too,
0: and I know that I'm a trash person. So Agree.
1: No, I, same girl. We can be trash people together. I'm. I'm okay. I would throw candy at a uh, murderer. You'd be like, fuck, be like, you. fuck you, Trick or treat. This guy killed his yeah. kid
0: because he like
1: because he was in debt. job, he was in fucking debt. Like, no, I'm sorry. You gotta You ready to get a rage, Like, real quick. Oh my god. Yes. Yes. How? How, Monique? I thought this was like we were done. Oh no. Get ready.
0: Among his final words, Ronald said, quote, what is about to transpire in a few moments is wrong. However, we as human beings do make mistakes and errors. This execution is one of those wrongs, yet doesn't mean our whole system of justice is wrong. Therefore, I would forgive all who have taken part in any way
1: in my death. End quote. Go fuck yourself. For real. Actually, go My fuck yourself. My fucking jaw is on the floor. Like, dude. The audacity is out fucking <sighs> like. Rageous. Do you hear your fucking self? Seriously. You murdered a child, your own fucking son. You were supposed to protect him and watch out for him.
0: Protecting your child is what an above average father does. That's it. That's like- Minimum. Just to be like, minimum, yeah. baseline, protect your kid. That's it. Above average. That's all you have to do.
1: But this is the thing that's wrong, is murdering the murderer. Okay. Just making sure.
0: They're going to murder him. That's a fucking problem. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't pull a fucking prince from Romeo and Juliet of like, all our punishing, motherfucker. Oh my god. I hate this guy, Monique, so much. Yeah, he's the fucking worst. At 1248 AM, Ronald Clark O'Brien was pronounced dead. And we're all the better for it. Yay! Daneen divorced Ronald while he was in prison and remarried in 1980. She never cashed the $31,000 life insurance policy, calling it blood money. <gasps> Facts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? That just gave it me chills. Really yeah, me mad. too. In a 2003 interview from former Pasadena police officer Bill Lanier, who worked on the case, said, quote, He was a wolf in sheep's clothing. Every Halloween, I think about him. He's a despicable man and his whole life was a lie, end quote. Burn, first of all, but facts. David Skull, a cultural expert on Halloween and author of Fright Favorites, 31 Movies to Haunt Your Halloween and Beyond, says that despite Ronald's horrific crime, Halloween shouldn't be feared. Skull said, quote, There is no general correlation in America between the holiday and increased crime. In particular, the widespread fear of poisoned or booby trapped candy is an urban legend without a real basis. End quote. And that is the origins of trick or treating as well as the possible origin of poisoned Halloween candy.
1: Damn, that was so good. I had not heard that story before. Yeah. Uh, I had heard the razor blades in the candy thing and I knew sure. that was, that had been an urban legend and I like read the history of that, but I had never really heard of like poisoned candy particularly.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember as a kid, you know, after, at the end of the night, we'd have to like dump out all our candy and my dad would have to do the, the checks yeah. of like, if anything was open, I was like, nope, nope, nope. And then of course he, you know, he'd take his cut. Yeah. For the cherry lollipops, you know, <laughs> oh, for his service.
1: Okay, that's not a bad thing to give up. Those were actually pretty shitty, in my opinion. So how about it. I'm basic. I don't like chocolate, so I'm like cherry lollipop it yeah. up, baby.
0: But you know, I didn't know this until a couple years ago. That apparently there were counties where you could go to the police and station X-rayed. and
1: x-ray your fucking candy. Yeah, I was like, what mm-hmm. the fuck? That people were like that terrified about the stupid razor blades. Yeah.
0: But it's a thing too of like the person who started this was someone who was intent on murdering his yeah. child. It wasn't a rando. Like it wasn't this boogeyman. Yes. It was someone who had an intended target who was his son and yeah. his daughter. it's not like
1: strangers preying on random children. It's yeah. A right. man It's a diabolically it is a planet. below <laughs> average father. <laughs> yes. Ugh. Ugh. That's so fucking crazy though. Yeah. Ugh. Poor Timmy. So happy yeah. Halloween.
0: Uh, be safe. Halloween,
1: Check your candy. I will never look at pixie sticks the same way after this, Monique.
0: I know. Never. I know. It's really devastating. It's Really devastating. To be fair, I haven't actually seen a pixie stick like this in like a decade. It's very true. I don't even. I,
1: I don't know where they even sell them. Really, seen the, like the little ones anymore. Yeah, because they're probably like that's just sugar. It is just sugar. sugar. I mean, this. to be fair, they're delicious. Uh, the blue ones are Absolutely. the best, obviously. Oh Love yeah, the one. Um, it was it blue, blue raspberry, raspberry? Right, yeah. Fuck yeah! Thanks so much for your story. Of course, uh, thank you for that. That was very Horrifying traumatizing. Story.
0: You're welcome. I had to do a Halloween. I loved it
1: so on theme. Yeah. yeah, nailed it.
0: Yeah, and again, it's just that thing. One again, hot take: below average father. Two, just that thing of how urban legends get manipulated into a thing when it's yes. like, no, it wasn't a crazed stranger, it was a father who was in debt. Yeah. Who's trash. Saw his children as fucking disposable yes. to get yes. cash. He saw them as dollar yes. signs. Fuck this
1: guy. Fuck this guy. And literally and
0: to the end. Like his fucking last words were like,
1: I didn't do this. Like And this, this is, is wrong the thing you're doing, killing me for the thing I think The thing you're doing do. is wrong.
0: Yeah. And I forgive Ugh. you
1: for Ugh. doing this
0: egregious wrong.
1: Go fuck right? yourself. Well we don't forgive you for killing again an eight year old boy for money. An eight year old boy you're so disgusting. I can't even handle it. Um, happy Halloween. Guys. Yeah. Happy Halloween.
0: Thanks so much for listening this last year. Heyo. Happy. Yeah. Happy you anniversary know. too. Happy anniversary, baby. And I hope that stick around for the next year because we got more fucked up shit hey. to it's talk only gonna about. It's going to get more upsetting. Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, I love you so much. I love you so much. Guys, thanks so much for listening. If you don't follow us already on the gram, please do. You can find us at another fucking horror podcast. You can find me at Pin Up Girl You can find me at
1: Lobotomy, and that's Lobot
0: Amy. Every six episode, we do a true listener tales episode where you write us in your crazy, personal, true crime, ghost, alien, what the fuck, weirdo story, and we read them on the air. You can email those to another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the you and fucking guys. Thank you so much for being on this crazy bizarro journey with us for the last year. We're so obsessed with you. Happy Halloween. Keep it cute. Keep it creepy.
1: Bye. Bye.